Hey everybody, this week's episode of the R&R &R &R Show is brought to you by Arcane Wonders and their new title, Call of Duty The Board Game. And I gotta say, I was very excited for this one because both my wife Jen and I love hidden movement games. Well, we've got a problem. We both always want to be the hidden mover. We never want to be the hunter, we want to be the one sneaking around. And what Call of Duty does is flips the script on hidden movement. In this game, every player is both the hunter and the hunted, the predator and and the prey. And the way it works is every round behind a screen, we plot out what our movement is going to be on the battlefield. Where are we going? Which direction are we facing? Where are we deploying traps? Where are we deploying our allies? Are we trying to lie in wait and uh, you know catch our opponent unawares? Are we making a run for the objective? We figure it all out and then we play it out turn after turn. And like they say, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And sooner or later, players are going to run into each other, and then the firefight starts with a very, very cool combat resolution system based on rolling lots of dice with a lot of strategic weight, depending on what types of dice you choose and what additional cards you bring to bear to back you up. If you can get in the head of your opponent, you will come out on top, but it is always going to be a tension-filled fight right up to the very end. And this game has so much variety baked in. There are different playable characters, different items, different missions, different maps. And if you check the game out on Kickstarter right now, there's expansions too that get me very excited because they allow solo and cooperative play as well. So, if you've ever been a fan of video game first-person shooters, or like me, you're just a huge fan of hidden movement, and you want to be the one hiding while hunting for your opponents, you might want to check out Call of Duty The Board Game. It's live on Kickstarter for a few more days, and I believe there are some cool bonuses for backers while it's still live. And that's it, folks. Now, let's go on with the show. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And welcome, everybody, to the R&R &R Show. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ruel Gabriel, joined by the amazing Chris George. Chris, how the heck are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic because you called me amazing, and that's <laughs> the first time I've said that today. The very first time, folks. And we want to don't, thank... Don't check the extended edition. Yeah, don't watch that. But yes, please watch that. Uh, you can see the show notes below for the extended edition where we talk about all kinds of good stuff. And also want to thank our uh, sponsor today, Arcane Wonders, uh, for sponsoring mm -hmm. today's show. Um, talking about Call of Duty, the new board game that I got a, a sneak peek at Gen Con uh, last week. And boy, fans, if you're in Call of Duty, this is, I mean, you got to check this out. Uh, Chris, you actually just uh, did a video about this, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I cover everything that's leaving Kickstarter. And so as of the time of this recording, we're recording this on a Monday. It's got about a week and a day left. Uh, for it on Kickstarter, and so I, I covered it on my own channel, Room and Board, um, and uh, yeah, I thought it looked, I thought it looked really good. I was very happy because I had heard rumblings that they weren't going to get the rulebook out or they were, weren't going to have it out in time, and then they did have it 
in an update, and I like to read through all the rule books so that I can actually look at a game and look at the ins and outs. And I and I was very thankful that they did because I think it looks I think it looks looks kind of fun. Looks yeah. pretty solid. There's there's I, I you take four actions of sort of hidden movement planning, mm-hmm. and then you go through those actions. And if you happen to have spotted the other person in your sights, you then get to chuck a whole bunch of dice, yeah. depending on if you want to go crazy attacking or if you want to be like have some agility or if you want to have <clears throat> more aiming. Mm-hmm. You really are pinpoint aiming, and that will deal more damage. And so, like even just looking at it. It feels like a really like faithful representation of of the base game for yeah. sure. Yeah. Now I'm not a Call of Duty fan. I haven't really played much Call of Duty in the past, but I am a fan of you know these you one v one skirmish games. And if I can roll dice and go pew pew pew, I mean you, you got me right there. So really looking forward to that. I, I think that's what it is. You're gonna roll dice. You're gonna go pew pew pew. I think that's it. <clears throat> you know what? I, forget forget my descriptor. I think we have it. We have it here. Yeah. Arcane Wonders, if you want to take that as a clip and just put it as your marketing material, roll dice, go pew, pew, pew. I think you're, I think you're going to you got my permission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so folks, be sure to check that out. Uh, check the show notes uh, below for links. And, you know, speaking of two-player games, that's what today's show is all about, Chris. We've got our top 12 two-player games. Mm-hmm. And um, these are two-player only games, correct? Uh, is that, you know, we talked about this in the pre-show, but we're talking about two-player specific games. And, you know, why don't we just jump right into it, Chris? You've got one for us at number 12. Yeah, that's true. I do. Uh, yeah, these are two-player only. Uh, we had we we had another list. And we were thinking games to play well at two, and then we thought, no, we want it just specifically two-player only, limiting you to just two players. You are designated to play it with that player count and no others, um, because they know it works the best at that. And uh, and so my number twelve is a game that I had to include because it's one of my girlfriend's favorite games. I think it's it's good. But if I didn't include it, she would be mad at me. And so I wanted to include it for her. Uh, it's it's a game called Morels. Nice. <laughs> and uh, and and I don't see people talking about this that much too. So I also like talking about things that uh, that people don't talk. It's basically a game about collecting mushrooms, kind of set collection game uh, where you can see that there's a a row laid out. And actually, the optimal way I find to play, and they put this as like a little sheet. There was a BGG variant where you kind of do it in a circle, you deal the cards out in a circle, and then you don't have to worry about shifting the row down every time. Uh, Because you're going on an adventure in the forest, and whatever's closest to the deck of cards, you can pick up for free. And then if you want to pick up stuff that's coming later, you have to spend these twig tokens. And basically how the game plays is you're going to be collecting frying pans and then sets of mushrooms in your hand, and then choosing when to cook those mushrooms, either for points or for more twigs. So more... Uh, ability to get better mushrooms down the line. And some mushrooms are better for cooking for those twigs. Some mushrooms are better for the points value. The morels, as the name is named, there's only three cards of that in the deck, and you need to have at least two to cook. Uh, and they give you like six points per mushroom, and that's a huge amount of points. And so, um, yeah, it's 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 a fun little game. It's, it's, it's tight. Uh, I like that you can see eight cards, and so you're always looking in advance. Okay, what happens if I take this card? Because whatever cards you take, whatever cards you don't take, they end up in like a decay pile. And then there's the ability to just take all the cards from the decay pile, but you you have a limited hand, and it's really hard to swap cards out of your hand. And so it's like, okay, do I take all of this stuff? How am I going to be able to manipulate my hand with the with the restrictions that are in play? 
it's just it, it's it's a solid game. The more that I'm talking about it now, it gets me excited to play it again. Yeah, uh, I think I think because my girlfriend likes it, therefore we played it a ton. And so I think whenever I play a game like so much, I I get a little like okay, I don't want to play this for a while anymore. But but even just talking about it makes me makes me kind of excited. And I think it's I think it's a fun game and definitely worth checking out. Good price. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it, it's a game that I've heard of throughout the years, and it just it's been gone like in and out of print over the years, hasn't it? Because I can never get a yeah. copy for some reason. But I know that this is the type of game that Michelle and I would love. Um, you know, yeah, and, I think you would. I, I think you yeah. would. Knowing yeah. what I know about your tastes, yeah, it, it seems like my type of uh, t- type of jam. Yeah. It's yeah. you know nothing. Well, it's something that you'll get to the table easily, you know, and something you yeah. can play uh, repeatedly. So plays in like half an hour, yep. right? Like it's it's really quick what you're going through, and and there's there's a surprising amount of like back and forth. Oh, why did you do that? Yes. Sort of thing. Which yeah, is, that's definitely which, my which I like. Nice, yeah. great call. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. let's so let's move 12. on to our number eleven. Good choice for number twelve, Chris. Uh, eleven, I've got that here in our combined list. Uh, this is a game that you know it, it's interesting. This game goes in and out of my top 10 uh every you know over the years i don't know sometimes i'm really into it sometimes i'm not it's one of those things i my lists are very however whatever mood i'm in uh chris you know yeah. so sometimes yeah. this will be like top of the list sometimes it'll fall out but recently i got to play this again at gen con and i forgot how smart and how solid this game is it's our number 11 two-player only game it is onitama um mm. this is a game that is basically chess for non-chess players. And here, Michelle and I, we played this on our channel years ago when we first started live show on Facebook Live, actually. And um, we are playing the game here where it's basically, uh, you have two sides. You have your monks and uh, I believe they're helpers or whatever. And you're just trying to capture the other players like main monk or whatever. Or you can take your monk and go to the other side of the board and you win. So it's very simple, straightforward. It's an abstract game, but what it is, the way you move, you don't have to remember all those like chess moves where, you know, uh, the knight goes like this, like an L, the queen can go over this. No, you don't have to remember that because they give you cards. They have cards that you can play and it'll show you exactly how it moves. Like if the frog goes like in a diagonal or the tiger goes in like a little loop or whatever, and you just play a card, move your piece, and then you discard that card and take one from the middle. So there's a cycle of like, I think five cards per game. There's actually a mm-hmm. bunch of cards, a couple of dozen, I think, where you just randomly choose at the start of each game. And oh, then cool. those are the ones you play with. Um, it is so smart and so quick. You get that chess feeling, but in like 15 minutes. Now, if I was playing chess for real against anyone that could play chess, they could beat me in less than 15 minutes. But at least with Tama, <laughs> I, I have a shot to win, you know? So, you know, Michelle and I have loved this game. And I got to play this at Gen Con last week with a friend's son. And uh, he's a he's a younger guy, but he's a, he's a gamer. And we had a great time. We played it like three or four times in a row. And it reminded me of how smart this game is and how streamlined and sleek it is and how much I enjoy it. Um, I've always enjoyed it. And that's why it's our number 11 Onitama. It's a good pick. It's one that I, I, I still haven't played, but I know, it, again, it's one that I would enjoy. Yeah. The reason I haven't picked it up is because I know that my girlfriend, Renee, wouldn't like it oh, whatsoever. Interesting. She doesn't like that tactical. She doesn't like chess-style games. Yeah. She doesn't like that that tactical sort of back and yeah. forth. But I just think, I think the swapping of the cards, like... Dictating your moves just feels so slick to me. It is, and uh, yeah. it's one. It's one I definitely I haven't gotten because I know my primary sort of like two player gaming partner 
won't like it. Yep. So I'm like, okay, I, I won't. But I, I know I'll play it eventually, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, you will definitely see it enjoy on it. A lot of, I feel like you see it on a lot of these two-player lists, too, because yep. it is so solid. Yeah, right? it's it's yeah. The, it's like one of the few games that really takes chess and distills it down to a, a more yeah. accessible, you know, uh, chunk where, you know, people can play it without having to memorize all these opening, you know, Queen's Gambit opening. I, I don't know. All that stuff I've heard of, but I don't know what it is. But you don't need to know that uh, to play uh, Onitama. Yeah. But okay, let's see what Rich has got first at number 10. Okay, guys, it is good to have you back. And this list is starting off strong. Those are two excellent choices. Chris, Morels is one of my all-time favorite board game moments. Me and Jen playing it on the grass in some random park in France, spending a lazy afternoon. Oh my gosh, that game is so good. Excellent choice. I take back anything I bad that I've ever said about any of your choices. And uh, Ruel, yeah, Onitama. I'm not interested in the head-to-headness of it, but it's so brilliant. If somebody were to come to my house and say, hey, I want to play a game of chess, I would say, no, no chess in my house. Let's play Onitama instead because it's even better. Yes, that would be my hot take of the day. Onitama is superior to chess. Um, And now that I've probably gotten half of the audience to tune out, uh, let's talk about number 10. Although before I get to my number 10, I should say, folks, this is the third time on my channel that I have listed my favorite uh, two-player-only games. And my earlier list, which there'll be links for down in the show notes, those all still stand. So basically, I'm talking about really excellent two-player experiences that have come out since the last time I did this. So I'm doing a little bit more cult of the new today, but that doesn't mean I don't have some amazing games to talk about, like number 10, Nanga Parbat, which is awesome. This is from designer Steve Finn. We are Sherpas. I think it's in the Himalayas. Um, They're somewhere in the mountains of Nepal herding different animals, and it's such a brilliant little area control game. On your turn, you're trying to collect different groups of these adorable little animal meeples, and um, whichever one you grab from the current mountain that we are on, uh, well, you know, that not only gives me some special power and, you know, doing set collection stuff like that, but say I pick the uh, third animal on the mountain we're on, that means our communal little meeple is going to move to the third mountain. Or if I take the uh, first one, it's going to move to the first mountain. And therefore, every time I take something that I want, I am also deciding what you, my two-player opponent, has access to. And I might desperately want that goat. But if I take that goat, it's going to put us both on mountain two. And I know you desperately want to go to mountain two because of that cat that's over there. That would be perfect for you. So do I take what's perfect for me, giving, um, or do I go somewhere else and hopefully you'll give me what I want on a future turn? The intertwinedness between two players in this um, really smart area majority slash set collection game with all kinds of cool special powers is absolutely phenomenal. And the production is great too because all the animal meeples are just adorable. This is a wonderful, wonderful title. I highly recommend it. Number 10 on the list, Nanga Parbat. Nanga Parbat. Yeah, this one has been climbing up in my ranks uh, recently. And yeah. if, if you know the theme, you, you see what I did there, folks, with the mountain and everything. I'm climbing. It's climbing <laughs> up in my ranks. Anyways, uh, I had to point that out. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying this one. And like, as Richard said, you know, those animal meeples are so, so adorable. Um, yeah, Chris, uh, any thoughts on Nanga Parbat? No, I haven't. I haven't played it, but I, I do like Steve Finn's games. I, I yep. really like Biblios and... Uh, and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. It's, my, those are my thoughts. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. There it is, folks. You get the best, like commentary, cool, be... <laughs> the best commentary. The best commentary on the internet commentary. here. You know, it's cool. You know, uh, roll dice, pew, pew, pew. I mean, what looks else? cool. <laughs> um, it feels like there there might be a, lo- a little bit of like kind of take that and screwage in terms of like those those tense moments that Richard Definitely. was talking about, yeah. which, is, which is surprising to me because I, I know that he likes not not being able to like really hurt each other in games right yeah i don't Um, think it's as harsh as it seems like when you're playing it but um yeah yeah, it's got a little bit of that but hey we've got other two-player games to talk about chris it's back to you my friend well speaking about pew pew uh i'm gonna talk about a two-player head-to-head card game that's just like dual monsters it's not Yu-Gi-Oh. it's uh actually it's uh gonna be radlands that's gonna be my pick for our number nine nice um and radlands is a game that i'm super thrilled that i got to try recently um uh, I mean, like a few months, few months back, and and finally dive into it because so many people had, had said such great things about it, and and I see it, I see the hype. Uh, I I think it's just such an elegantly designed contribution to that genre. That's how I would how I would describe it. It wow. it it just hits it hits really well. It's a little lane battler. You have three locations that you're trying to protect. All of your locations can do different things. And you're going to be drawing cards from a communal deck of cards, which I like in terms of these two-player head-to-head. I, I, I like when it is communal a communal deck mm-hmm. where there's that sense of randomness. There's a sense of equal, equal opportunity and equal chance for either player. Uh, and then you're going to be using your water tokens to put um, people in front of your buildings to make sure that they don't get destroyed. If you destroy the other player's buildings, you win. Uh, and that's that's basically it. Whenever you put a card down, you cannot use it until the next turn. So then somebody else can punch it in the face before you can use it. Uh, but there's some really nice combos and synergies that you can get with chaining your location's ability into a person's ability who like lets you refresh another ability, which lets you pull someone back into your hand. And then you put that back down because they injured themselves to, to let you do that thing. And now they're fully refreshed. Like there are a lot of really neat and slick combos that uh, that I I found by doing it, and and a really nice back and forth of collecting the resources needed to do the things versus needing to come out of the gate with like smaller cards. And I and what else is, is kind of cool about it is that you can always discard a card for a thing. So if the card's never going to be useful to you, it's like okay, I can just discard that for a water, or I can discard that to move my raiders up one step who are going to attack you, and so. Every card having that multi-use is also, I think, really, really nice. And it's just, a re- yeah, a really nice contribution to the genre. Again, something that uh, my girlfriend Renee would hate, which is why <laughs> I don't have it in my collection. But I'm absolutely thrilled that I've, I've, I've played it and, and look forward to the next time, too. For nice. Sure. Yeah, Radlands. I actually gifted this to a friend of mine because I know uh, my main uh, game partner besides Michelle is my good friend, Daryl. And we play games like this, you know, very in your face, you know, again, the technical term I think is roll dice, pew, 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 but I we, believe it's that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we like games like this where it's, where, you know, it's very tactical skirmish type games. And this one I gifted to him and he loved it. Uh, he, you know, he played with his wife and his friends, uh, other friends besides me. And I still haven't played it and I'm dying because <laughs> I know how much Amy and Maggie enjoyed it. I know how much you like it now. And yeah, yeah. this is on like really high up on the list of, I must play this A. It just seems like it's, it's right in my wheelhouse too. Um, yeah, it's quick yeah. too, right? It's like thirty minutes yeah. or so. 
yeah, yeah. 30 minutes that's how long a round would take it it's i just think it it's it really captures the spirit of those games like two player head to head card games aren't necessarily my my total jam mm-hmm. but in terms of consideration like it's one of those games where i see the design and i see like the inner workings of it and i think like if you like that sort of stuff you you need to check this one out because yeah. it is it is just like really, it's really slick and there's a lot of options for variability in just like one deck of cards. Nice. I love that. And I, I also love a, just a, a really simple design choice. I love the fact that when you have cards that you can't really do anything with, you can still discard them and get, yeah, you know, something. That's a very simple thing, yeah. but, you know, a lot of games, well, older games, I would say, don't have that, whereas this one, yeah. you know, I, I love that, that that's in there. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So Radlands, I'll be playing soon. But let's move on, excuse me, to our next uh, game here on our two-player list. Chris, I mean, we've already, we, we've done 12, 10, 11, 10, 9. We're at 8. We've got to throw in the good doctor. You know, we, we always talk about... I going to appear on your list. Yeah, you know, he's going to show up here. Uh, this is one of my favorite games. Probably my favorite two-player game of his. I'm sure you can guess what it is. But it is our number 8, and it's Lost Cities. Um, this yeah, is like... I'm... You just knew, right, Chris? You, you just... I knew it was. I knew it was on. I didn't even bother like pretending to try to put it on my list because I was like, "Man, nah, it's gonna get covered." Yep, there it is. Uh, this is a fantastic game. I actually, I just started playing in a tournament in this in BGA, and it's like a round robin tournament. I literally have like ten games of Lost Cities going on simultaneous right now, and I love it. It's a classic for a reason. Um, it's a, a you know, it's a game you're trying to build your little expeditions here. I mean, the theme on honestly, the theme has nothing to do with it. It's just building cards uh, numbered one through ten, and then you have these handshake cards, which if you feel like you can double up your points, you're going to put those for double, triple, or quadruple your points. But sort of like a push your luck thing because you you may not get all those cards that you need at the end, and you're going to score. Mu- negative points which happens all the time unfortunately but you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> depending on uh, you know it's got this really cool mechanism where instead of drawing a card and then playing a card you're doing it backwards you're playing a card and then drawing a card which really leads to some really tense moments throughout the game and every game it's always like oh i need to play this last turn or i need this for you know previous uh you know next turn but i can't do it just yet and I love that about this game. It's so simple to learn and play. You play three rounds, and then the high score wins. Um, so you're drawing cards. You know you have different colors, different expeditions are going on. As you can see, there Richard's playing it on screen here. You know what do you want to do? Do you want to try to get those you know numbers consecutive? You know two, three, four, five, six because you'll get a bonus if you can get those lined up. Or are you just going for the big numbers because those are going to score you the points? I mean, obviously you want to get them all, but you're never going to do, well, almost never going to do that where you get them all. So it's this really nice push and pull of like, what, you know, when do you drop cards down? Because once you start an expedition, you're locked in. You're going to score, you know, negative 20 just by starting it. And then you go from there trying to build up your positive points. It's a masterpiece of design. Um, It's streamlined. It's simple. Anyone can pick it up. And, you know, again, the theme's not really there, but it doesn't matter. It's Ryder Kinesia. It's brilliant. That's why it's our number eight, Lost Cities. And, yeah, we need to play this on BGA, Chris. I feel like we should be playing this right now, you know? Yeah, that's true. We can play it. All, we'll, we'll uh, while Richard does his videos, we can we can bang out a start game. a game. <laughs> nice. That's what I, I love about this. We can do it too. Oh, totally, because it's so quick, right? Yeah. It's such a quick yeah. game. I mean, rounds are maybe like ten minutes each, and then you play three, but you can play fewer or more or whatever. But 
Oh my gosh, yeah. And when's the last time you played this one, Chris? Is it have you played recently or? Um, that's a good question. Would have probably been on BGA. Yeah, because it's just so quick to like. It's so quick to bang out a game. Yeah, right. It's it's just so easy to to and and BGA has got a really nice implementation. Yes, agreed. Um, I know you were playing it on your on your own channel for for training yeah. purposes right yes yeah, training yeah. for the world series of board gaming folks i you know I, I just i love the game and it's i've i've had multiple copies of it um you know different well actually no they're all the same version i've just you know had a copy and i just gift it to someone it's like oh you right. got to have this game so i picked up a few times at my local target actually but nice. um yeah it's brilliant folks but hey that's our number eight let's see what richard's got in store for us at number seven Oh man, two more excellent, excellent choices. Radlands, Chris, um, if I had to play a dueling wizard game, it would very likely be this one because the run-through that Amy and Maggie did on the channel was so fantastic. Folks, if you haven't watched it, after you're done with this, go watch Amy and Maggie. It was so much fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not into the whole head-to-head thing, but if I had to do one, that post-apocalyptic duel is the way to go. And oh, well, Lost Cities. You can't have a greatest two-player games of all time list without putting Lost Cities. Uh, It is deserving of its long-held status as maybe the greatest couples game of all time. I have to admit, for me, Man, it does my head, and it makes my brain burn, and I almost never, ever win, so it's kind of a frustrating game for me, but Jen loves it to pieces. It would probably make her shortlist as well. But now, let's move on to number seven, the newest game on the list, because it only just came out, Sky Team. Well, you and I have actually filmed a run-through for this now. Uh, It'll be going up this week, I think, and man, this is a rarity, a two-player-only game that is cooperative instead of a head-to-head duel and board game industry, I would like to see more of that, quite frankly. And this is such a phenomenal dice worker placement game um, with imperfect communication where we're both trying as the pilot and co-pilot of a plane to land um, while dealing with dice that just will not um, you know, support our decisions, let's say. And the tricky thing is we can strategize all we want about, hey, we really need to be banking left and we really need to keep our speed down so we can stay in a holding pattern whatever we have to do for a given round to ensure the plane doesn't go down Uh, but then once we roll our dice we have to go silent because each round of this game represents like two seconds of time when there's not time to talk because we're making all these small micro adjustments and just responding to what each other does and it's incredibly thematic one of the most thematic makes you feel like you are there cooperative games I've ever played and it's got a great production value, tons of replayability with um, airports all around the world that have different challenges and whatnot, um, and you know special powers that will mix it up from game to game. This game is phenomenal. I think this is going to be making quite a few best of the year lists uh, when we get to the end of 2023, and well, I know you love it too. Uh, it's number seven on the list, Sky Team. Yeah. This one came out of nowhere for me. I mean, I'd heard about it before going to Gen Con. At Gen Con, it sold out every single day. And wow. yeah, when I finally got the demo and then actually played it, Chris, I mean, I'm glad that Richard put it on this list because it immediately shot up in the sky. Uh, it's a it's a playing game. See what I did there, folks? Um, <laughs> it shot up in my rankings. I love this game. <laughs> and I love that Chris loved that joke. Um, 
I love, I love, I, please keep making the, the very similar jokes and please keep explaining them. I, I, I will, yes. And you keep rocking that mustache, my friend. Um, very good. Yes, I, I love this game. And for all the reasons Richard just talked about, it's a cooperative dice placement game. It works so mm-hmm. well. And it's only another 20 minute game, but it's got so many great decision points. And it's got this really neat narrative because you're a pilot and a co pilot trying to fly this plane. And, you know, if you're not doing things right, you are going to go down. It's that's it. Plane crash over. And it's got this really thrilling ending because, you know, when the game's going to end, it's seven rounds and you're trying to line up everything to get to that point. And when you land, it's thrilling. It really it's you've cool. it feels like you've earned it, you know, and I, I love that. And for me personally, it was the hit of Gen Con. It was my Gen Con, uh, like the game at Gen Con. And I think, as Richard wow. said, a lot of people were going to be talking about it uh, in, in for best of uh, this year. So amazing! Wow. Yeah, that's so, that's awesome. Yeah, so, so I hadn't, honestly, I hadn't even heard of it. Until yeah, right now it's I don't know how it flew. I don't know how it flew under everyone's radars, Chris, but it did for some reason. There's another one for you, my friend. <laughs> I think I'm going to be exhausted. Out of the, no, that's it for these jokes, folks. Let's move on to the next game, Chris. It's all you, my friend. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Uh, Okay, so our number six is an abstract game. It is based off of, well, it's, it's, the name is that of uh, one of my favorite book series ever. This is the abstract game, Tack. So it's from the book Name of the Wind uh, or Wise Man's Fear, which is the second one in the series. And the Doors of Stone, which will come out eventually. Who knows when? Probably in 50 years. Um, <laughs> but it, it is a really great abstract game. And, and I'm so, so surprised because they just they talk about it in the book. And it's 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 a different game here than it is in the book, to be honest. In the oh, book, okay. they're talking about like, Oh, controlling this thing or whatever. I feel like the rules in the book were, were not the rules that ended up in the tabletop game. And I think that's a good thing because, you know, games take design time and you realize what's fun. Uh, but it's very, very simple. You're just trying to get from one side to the other. You want to connect a line, uh, a contiguous line of your own pieces from one side to the other. But you can jump on other people's pieces and basically take take their spot if you're next to them. And then you can put in like a waystone, which cannot be jumped on, but you can jump on other people. And then you can add in another piece. You can add a blocker. And so the way it really builds itself into teaching you the game and teaching you the full game is really great. It's a double-sided board. On one side, there's 
the ability to have like a four by four grid and a six by six grid, just depending on how you look at it. And the other side's like three by three and whatever. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's really, it's just elegant. It's an elegant abstract strategy game that you can play so quickly. I played like seven games in a row in, I don't know, an hour, hour oh, 15. Wow. Yeah, it was it was super quick. Um, Alex from Board Game Co. taught it to me, and and we just played a, a whole bunch. And it it's it's really it, it's it's just it's just fun. The, the, you can see in the in the video there, there's a tower of things stacking on top of each other. And if you control the top one, then you control the whole stack. But then you have to move them like Mancala style and stack them on other people. And so you can like get a whole chain and then you're controlling that and go, okay, in a straight line, like boom, 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 and like create this cool pattern. It's it's difficult to describe, but like if you like abstract games, um, this would be my like my abstract game pick that you that you can only play at two players. And uh, I mean, a lot of abstract games you can, but yeah. um, are, are two-player only. But yeah, I, I just thought it was really slick. And it being an actually good game based off of like an IP is exciting to me. Yeah, well. that's that's so cool. Like, um, I remember hearing about this and I, you know, I heard about the book and then they they mm-hmm. they, they made a big thing about, hey, we actually have a game that was in the book and it's a real thing. And yeah. I, that's so intriguing to me. Do you remember... Uh, now, have you read the book, Chris? I forget if you said you'd read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 probably my favorite book of all time. Oh, wow. It. Okay, I need to yeah. read it then. Um, I love it. Fantasy. Uh, it's yeah. like once once you're in like 70 pages, it's like 600 pages or something. Oh, my god. Once gosh. I was in 70 pages, I like couldn't put it down. It was like popcorn. I was, nice. I took a little bit to ramp into it to, to get to the story. Yeah. But because the whole premise is like there's this ancient hero, Quoth, and he now basically is is a disgruntled innkeeper, and so he's telling his story of like the real the real things that happened correspond to like the legends. Got like it. The legend is this, and like, but this is actually what happened. Um, and so when he, when he really gets into telling his story, I'm like, yeah, I couldn't put it down. Nice. It's it is like popcorn to me. That's how I describe it. It's just like oh, one more page, one more. Yeah, page. yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> And then, um, as far as the game is concerned, is it does it play like an integral part in the plot? I mean, or is it just like a no, side thing? No, no. okay, that's it's cool that they, they made a game out of it though. That's so neat. Yeah, it comes up in. I don't even think it's in the first book. I think it's in the second book. Okay. I think it's in Wise Man's Fear when he's off at some place, yeah. and the the his his friend is like, "I'm going to teach you strategy," and he's like, "I will learn strategy." <laughs> like that's the that's the that's the conceit Very of why nice. it exists, right? Cool. But, yeah. All right, so tack it is, um, so that we have another abstract game. Um, we're gonna go. I'm gonna go to one of my favorite genres for our number six or for our number five, folks. I love worker placement games, Chris, and Richard knows this as well. And for two player, there's not really many two player worker placement games that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, especially two player only. I mean, I've played like Stone Age two players and stuff like that, but yeah. this one, our number five, is Targi or Targi. Targi? I always call it yeah. say Targi, um, but Oh, I love this game. And the first time I played it, I was blown away that we could have a two-player-only worker placement game. Um, what really separates this one from other games is it's got this grid of cards. And on the outside, uh, sort of like ring or square, uh, if you may, the square, you're going to move a little robber there. And they're going to block that space. And then you and your opponent are going to take turns placing your workers on that outer grid. And then it's the intersection of where those uh, pieces are. They're going to place, um, you know, you're going to take the actions. So you can either grab resources 
or you can basically it's set collection you're trying to get resources to get these other cards and you're going to build a tableau and depending on what you have in your tableau there may trigger some special abilities um also you're going to score points on how you arrange your tableau oh it's so brilliantly done and it plays in about 45 minutes and i'm always surprised chris when i play this game of how deep this is for what you think i mean it's a small box game but it's definitely mm -hmm. a deep um, rich experience for a worker placement game and i love that about targi so much um it, they have a, a bg implementation which is fine i think it's a little some of the user interface a little um wonky to me but the actual game itself there's also an expansion too that um, will fit in a small box you know just a little actually the same box size uh, that cosmo uses for another game we just talked about lost cities um that really small box um size and oh man i love worker placement i love the fact that i can knock out a worker placement game in a small space like this and it's very it's variable right because you're always going to change up the stuff in the middle that comes out randomly but using the spaces along the sides there you're going to be able to you know hopefully be as efficient as you can efficient as you can and uh, mm -hmm. get those uh, victory points because um you're going to go around until I, either you go all to the way to the end or you fill up your tableau of cards like i think it's a four by three grid and then when that that'll trigger the end and then you score all your points but oh i i can't get enough of this game i've been playing it for years um i remember it was probably about a year into when I was in the hobby that I was introduced to Targi. And ever since then, I, you know, it took me a while to get a copy. It was out of print for a while, uh, but I finally got a copy and I have not let it go. As Rick Astley would say, I'm not going to let it go. And I don't know if that's the right quote, but anyways, um, I Are love this never game. Gonna give it up? Yeah. Never going to give it. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm never going to give up Targi and the expansion uh, adds a few things as well that I think are worthwhile. And that's why it's our number five Targi. Great yes. pick. I, this is one that I still need to play. Like I, I know it's so good. I, I just I haven't. I think it's the the print runs similar to your your yeah. experience with Morels. It's one where like yeah. I also know it's so cheap too, right? It's like twenty bucks. It or is. Something. It is one. Uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that yeah. up because it is one of the best bang for your buck values out there yeah. ever. Seriously, like it was. Yeah. It's tw 1995 U.S. retail. And I know yeah. it's gone on sale for like as low as fifteen. And to that's, me, yeah, that's, that's such a steal. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is for how much, how deep this game is. And yeah, it, it's wonderful. And yeah, please check it out sometime, Chris. I know you're gonna love it. Work replacement. Yeah, and, for yeah, sure. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're getting to our top four, friends. Let's see what Rich has got for us in number four. Oh yeah, Chris Tack. I have to admit, I've never played this one. I don't tend to go for the abstract stuff, but over the years, I have heard nothing but just how amazing this game is. So I'm definitely looking forward uh, to hearing your description of it uh, because I don't even know how the game plays. I know it's about laying things flat or standing them up. Uh, I'm really, really curious. And Chris, I will continue to shower compliments upon you by pointing out you do an amazing job of summarizing games and capturing what makes them interesting. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. But oh man, speaking of great games, Games. Targi, Ruel, yes. This made my original greatest two-player games of all time when I did it, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And uh, it's still one of my all-time favorites. It would also make my greatest worker placement games of all time, too. Such a 
brilliant, brilliant battle of wits. Um, shows you don't have to have, you know, just uh, players trying to beat each other up to have a fantastic and very tension-filled two-player game. One of the all-time greats. But, folks, I want to talk about one that you may never have heard of. It's definitely flown under the radar, and I'm not quite sure why. Number four on the list, Rival Networks isn't champion from the rooftops more, because this is an excellent head-to-head two-player dueling game, where players are rival heads of television networks. This is actually a uh, t- uh, kind of a streamlined, simplified version of one of the greatest all-time card drafting games, The Networks. And in a lot of ways, this improves on The Networks because it does a few interesting things. Uh, one is, well, every round, one of the things we have to do is we have to grab a new show and put it in one of our three time slots, you know, um, you know early, late, or late night. Uh, shows. And the tricky thing is, sometimes you don't want to do that, because I have three amazing shows in my lineup right now. But every round, whether you want to or not, you must replace one of your existing shows, must cancel one of your existing shows to make room for these new shows. And timing and planning around that can often be very, very tricky. Oh, and by the way, as you can see over here, it's a fun-looking game, too. This is uh, Tom Heath. Slicker Drips did a fantastic run-through for it. I'm going to put a link for that down in the show notes, too, folks, along with videos for everything we're seeing and talking about today. But anyway, one of the things I love is that you're forced to take cards even when you don't want to, and you have to deal with that. But then the other half is, not only do you take a new show every round, but this is an entwined drafting game, too, because... There are combinations of stars and ad cards put together in pairs. And in addition to taking a new show, whether you want to or not, you also have to take one of these pairs. And often, the perfect star for my favorite show that'll boost its rating up is paired with an ad card that is useless for me. But what's fascinating about these ad cards is they are your source of money. And um, so you could think of them as money cards, except the ads will do better or worse depending on your lineup. So... This concept of money with variable values, depending on what you've built in the past, put into entwine drafting, one of my new favorite mechanisms of all time, um, you know, with a really great sense of humor, especially if you're a TV chunky like me, makes the rival networks absolutely amazing. And like I said, nobody's talking about it. it I don't know why it doesn't make more greatest 2P uh, lists of all time, because it definitely deserves it. Number four, rival networks. Yeah, I don't know why this doesn't get more hype. I remember when it came out, and it seems like there was a huge fan base for the networks. And to get the two-player version, I'm not sure. I have not played uh, the two-player version. I have played the original networks, and I agree with Richard. It's like one. It's super funny. It's just all the little puns and stuff on names. It's it's clever. But I'm yeah. interested in trying the two-player game. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Chris. Um, no, yeah, I didn't even know there was a two-player game. I just know of the networks as well. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's it's it has flown really under the radar. That, yeah. uh, but you know what? It looks cool. <laughs> pew pew pew. <laughs> Let's move on. We're getting to the good stuff now. I mean, this is all good, folks. But now we're getting to the top three. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. is going to lead us off with our number three game of the top. Well, 12 before we do, games. I I hope I feel like Richard has been giving me so many compliments this this episode. I don't know what to do with what's myself. going on. Yeah, because because <laughs> normally we're at odds, and and I, it feels like somebody has kidnapped Richard and replaced him with a with a bear in disguise yeah. or something like that. Uh, some someone in a skin suit, a human suit. So we'll we'll, we'll have to look into that. Um, Definitely. I, I hope the tack. I also feel like 
he's like, oh, you do such such a great job explaining games. I feel like the explanation attack was like one of the worst I've ever done. <laughs> um, so sorry, but here we are. Um, anyway, for our number three, I'm going to be basic. I'm going to be a basic boy over here. And and I'm going to be basic for a reason because it's a solid game. This is a game that I I, I haven't played in a while, but I, I just like... I think it's I think it's good, and when I think about depth of strategy, and I, it's Jaipur, it's Jaipur. I'll just say the name nice. so we can get it up on the screen. Yeah, because um, nice. I wasn't going to give any other great hints. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to talk about it. Um, and and Jaipur is is one of those games that I like. I hesitated about putting on this list because I feel like it's on so many best two player only games. You know, whenever you whenever you search. I felt like, especially like when I was getting into the hobby too, like 10 or so years ago, I would search best two player only games and Jaipur would come up, right? Like for my, for my sibling, my sister's wedding present, I wanted to get her and her husband, who's a big board gamer, like a bunch of just two player games. And that was like Jaipur, Jaipur, like everywhere I looked, it was saying Jaipur. Um, But I, I just think it's, it's fun. I've played this a lot. I played a lot of games of this, both physical and on BGA. I've played um, it a ton, and 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 I really, I, I think that this gives you as much as you want from the game. It can be really light, it can be really airy, or it can be really cutthroat and strategic as well. And and, and I like that it can have both of those things depending upon what mood you're in. Um, I think the flow of the camels is really interesting. Basically, yes. you have a hand limit of seven cards. And you're trying to collect sets of cards. If you haven't heard of Jaipur, this is the, this is the basic explanation. You're, you're collecting sets of cards, and then you're going to sell those sets of cards. Very similar to Morels, actually, in terms of you need at least two to sell. But you want to sell more because the more you sell, the more chips you get. And if you sell three to five, you also get bonus points. So you're trying to hold out to sell these large sets but you also want to sell them quickly because the first chips are worth more than the last chips. And so generally, if you sell quicker, you get more points. But if you wait and build up, you also get more points because you get that that bonus in there. In addition, there are these camels. So you can take all of one. Um, you can swap cards from your hand in with this market in the middle, or you can swap with your camel reserve as well. And so that allows you to be, there's a lovely flow of, I've got a bunch of camels so I can dominate the board. But when I do, then my opponent can pick up all the camels and then have the trading power that's there. It, it, it still holds up, I think, in my opinion. And Absolutely. it's not something that I like actively reach for, but if I think about a game that is only for two players that I'm going to gravitate towards, it, it, in terms of my collection, this would be my number one. This is the one that I'll pull off the shelf if I'm like, it's a two-player only game. I know my girlfriend will also like it, so that impacts my my appeal of it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just a great flow back and forth. And it's basic because everybody talks about it. But you know what? They talk about it for a reason, and exactly. that reason is because it's pretty good. It's it's. I think you're underselling. I think it's fantastic, Chris, and I <laughs> think it deserves all the hype. And yes, it is yeah. basic, but as you said for a reason it's been around yeah, forever yeah. and it's still good i i recently just played another game of it on bga um but yeah. i'm glad you mentioned the flow of the camels i think that's such mm-hmm. a cool mechanism where 
you know, yes, you have that power of trading all those camels and getting the stuff you want, but at the same time, you're going to give it up to your opponent who can do the same. It's got that nice push and pull, and it's got that little race element, too, because you want to race to get those first chips for each one, especially those gold and the the uh, the silver or whatever. Those are worth more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love everything about this game, and for a two-player-only game, it's definitely deserves to be up there. And I, if it's not yeah. number one, it's definitely top five. Uh, you know, for a reason. And yeah, excellent yeah. choice, man. Excellent yeah. choice. Um, let's go on to... I had our, to do it. Had you, to do it. You had to do it. Let's yeah. go on to number two, because I'm going to be basic as well. I'm following your lead, Chris. This is another <laughs> game that I, I feel like I always see it on um, lists, and I've talked about it on the channel a few times, and, you know, it still holds up. I think it's a, a modern-day classic for two-player games. It's patchwork. Um, you're building quilts. So you and your opponent are building quilts, and... Um, you know, through the use of polyominoes, which I love, Bishon, I love polyominoes. And the thing that sets this game apart is that uh, the economy in this game. It's you're you know getting buttons to get those pieces, and if you can't afford uh, those pieces, you're going to move on the track to get more buttons. And the the pieces that you place on your quilt, if they have buttons, that's where you're going to generate income or more buttons to get. And Everything about this game is just perfect, in my opinion. It's tile lane. It's got that economy. It plays in about 20 to 30 minutes. It's a perfect two-player game. Michelle and I love this game. We we take we. I don't think we regularly play it anymore, but at any time we you know are just trying to figure something out. Oh, we don't know what to play. We know that patchwork is there. You know, like an old comfortable shoe or whatever. It's yeah. always gonna fit. And, you know, we can play it at any time. I played the digital version as well. That digital version, there's... The AI is brutal. Like, the the toughest one. Yeah, I was like... I play, like, the first three levels, I'm fine. I'm like, I can hold my own. But then the the Uwe Rosenberg level or whatever, forget it. It's just, like, championship. (laughs) Like, yeah, totally peak efficiency. I'm like, I can't even compete with that. But it's still fun. And one thing that people don't... A lot of people don't know, you can play it solo by buying an Automa deck. They have one available... Uh, through I think it's Lookout Spiel was the company that was doing it. Um, it goes in and out of print. Luckily, I got mine while I was still in print. It's only five bucks U.S. dollars, but it's worth it. It's just really simple Automa deck, and you can play solo, and it's a really good challenge. Um, I don't always beat it, and I thought I was a pretty good patchwork player, so apparently I'm not. But oh, I love this game That's cool. so much. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's why it's our number two, folks. Patchwork. Yeah, I didn't know that there was an Automa deck. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, just watch, just talking about it again, it reminds me, I want to play it again. It's been a while since Michelle and I played, so we're going to definitely have to yeah. pick that up soon. Okay. That's how I feel about the ones on my list. I'm like, yeah. I'm happy I'm talking about these. I haven't right? played these in a while, but like, yeah. it, I think it speaks to the at least your own personal enjoyment of the game that like when you talk about it, you go, oh yeah, and you remember the memories yep. and you remember like, that is a fun time. Right, yeah, like, totally. Yeah, which is, okay. Let's move on to our final game brought to you by Richard. This is our number one, folks. Oh, this is a good way to end. Uh, Chris, Jai Poor made my list uh, back when I did this, whatever it was, seven or eight years ago, too. And I would seriously consider it now, uh, if I haven't already listed it previously, totally deserving of its co-throne status with Lost Cities as the greatest couples game of all time. 
absolutely fantastic. And Ruel, yeah, of course. Who can begrudge Patchwork? I, I think Patchwork is an incredibly important game in the overall evolution of the industry because I believe its success and its monster huge success is deserved and is also responsible for the renaissance of polyomino tile layer games we now find ourselves in. You know, Planet Unknown, Isle of Cats, they all, uh, so many more, deserve a, uh, a, 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 a... They have a debt of gratitude to Patchwork, which is absolutely brilliant. Not my favorite Uwe uh, patch, or, you know, a polyomino game. That would be Spring Meadow. But still, I would never turn down a game of Patchwork. Okay, and uh, before we get to the number one, the best of the best, and oh my gosh, this is good... Folks, in case you didn't know, we're just getting started. There is an extended version of this show. There's a link for it down in the show notes where uh, I'm sure Ruel's going to be doing a Gen Con report and uh, you know a live interaction with the studio audience and all of that. Plus, in the post-show, I'm going to tell you about six additional games that did not make this list. I'm telling you my four top, and I'm going to tell you about six more if I were doing a full top ten. And I'm sure Chris and Ruel are going to have some honorable mentions. So, again, you can follow that link down in the show notes. There's an uh, You can hit the eye up in the top right corner screen and you can just pick up right where we are right now and then watch the number one and then keep watching right into the post show and you'll get to hear about a much more amazing two-player games but without any further ado let's move on to number one on the list beer and bread and folks i started with a hot take today and i'm going to end with a hot take this is designer scott alm's greatest game ever I think this is amazing. Uh, yes, Mr. Tiny Epic Galaxies and so many more wonderful games. Warp's Edge? Forget about it. It's all about that beer and bread. Although, caveat, I have not played Silicon Valley yet. I so desperately want to try that game. Maybe that will eclipse beer and bread. But for now, beer and bread is the uh, is the epitome of the Scott Alms, uh, you know, ouvre. I said that wrong, and I should stop trying to use French words. I will just tell you what this game's about now. Uh, there are two villages on either side of a river. We are both competing to be the best at baking bread and brewing beer. And, well, I know you love the Kenichia-style twists like this one, where, um, hey, I'm going to be rated on both of those metrics, and whichever one is worse determines my final score. So you really have to diversify in this game. But it is a card drafting game. Hey, I got a hand, take one, give the rest to my opponent, my only opponent in this game, and then hope some of them might come back. Uh, you know, I might be able to get my hand on them, and it's done very, very well here. Uh, you know, It's all about harvesting the different types of resources in the, uh, the uh, fat times, and then uh, using them in the lean times to convert them into points. Because the game is broken down into a series of growing years, and and then winter, or growing seasons, and then winter seasons, where the gameplay changes radically. The way you use cards, the way you get cards into your hand, switching between summer and winter, oh, it's really, really smart. But all that is secondary. The thing that makes this game so brilliant that I love more than anything else is, hey, we're spending a lot of time harvesting resources, and we have limited storage to hold them in. You can always expand your storage if you want, but you have to be careful, because if you cannot store all the stuff you grow you harvest. In any other game in board game history, all the excess, the overage, would just go back to the supply. It would just be wasted. Not in this game. All of the um, the uh, stuff that I overproduce goes to you, my opponent. And that adds this extra wonderful level of tension. It's like, oh, now I have to be even more careful about being super hyper-efficient and use up this stuff before I harvest new stuff, because I don't want to just give you stuff. Although, I have to admit, it's just because this is a competitive game, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I love the story this game tells. This is, even though these two villages are competing, um, 
you know, a rising tide floats all boats, and things don't have to be zero-sum, and these villages definitely agree and believe in waste-not-want-not, as do I. So the recycling message in this game is wonderful as well. Another thing that elevates it. Beer and Bread is fantastic. Scott Alms, I doff my cap to you. Um, your best work yet, but I'm sure you're not done. Looking forward to what you've got in the future, including Silicon Valley. Oh, I want to try that one. But anyway, folks, that was it. The number one beer and bread. Wow. I'm, I'm really surprised that this one made the list um, because it's so recent. And But you know what? I'm all for it because I love this game so much. Um, I got to play it uh, recently with uh, my buddy Daryl. So smart. And it, it's just brilliant um, for, you know, Richard expounded on it. And I agree 100%. I don't know. If, man, I need to play it a few more times before I can call it Scott Alms' greatest design, because I'm a huge fan of Tiny Epic <laughs> Galaxies, right? Uh, but well, I feel like th this has been on your list in a, in a few past episodes, right? It has, yeah. Like, I think yeah. small box games or whatever. And I know I've talked yeah. about Beer yeah. and Bread. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, I've been you know, keeping my eyes out because of, because of how much you've talked about it. And now that I know Richard likes it, too. Yeah. It, well, it, we, yeah we're game over. To, yeah, to, <laughs> totally. You know, it's interesting. So he, he mentioned the uh, Kinesia style of scoring. Like, you know, you have two mm -hmm. scores, but the worst is going to be your final score. It also it actually reminds me of a bit of a Rosenberg game as well with all the resource management and stuff. So it has some classic design to it, but done in a modern way, I guess, is the best way to say it. But yeah, Scott Alms... Uh, hats off because it's a it's a terrific game um yeah beer and bread I, yeah it's it's a good number one chris i i think it's it's a good, it's a good number, number one. one it's a yeah. good number one i mean i've never played and i still think it's a good number one just yeah because i know <laughs> <laughs> exactly okay so folks that's gonna be it for our top 12 uh two-player games thank you so much for joining us uh chris any final thoughts before we get on out of here now we'll see you in the extended edition if you want to see our extra special picks. Yes. Ooh, Ooh. Tantalizing. Very well done. Yes, folks. Every um every week we do this live on Twitch. So the extended editions, um, you're gonna have to click on the links below to check that out. But on behalf of Chris and Richard Viavito, I'm Ruel. Thank you so much for watching the RNR &R &R show, sponsored by Arcane Wonders, and we'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.